What's brewing, ATX? I'm Ian Grossman, alongside the world's greatest co-hosts, Gregory Carlson and Jonathan Ratcliffe. What's up? Hey. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode. We've got a great interview today. Remember, this is your one-stop shop for all things ATX, from tips on the food and beverage scene, to developments in the real estate world, to interviews with local small businesses and those making a big impact in our community. And of course, we feature a local beer, wine, or spirit each week, so you can get your little taste of what Austin has to offer. This week, we've got a special guest. We will be interviewing Joe Carr, and he's going to tell us about a company he started with his wife called Serenity Kids. Um, they started less than a year ago, and we're pumped. We're excited to hear how much it's taken off since then. Um, as always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Brewing ATX. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. Let us know if you have any suggestions on topics or guests that would be perfect for our show. We're always open to it. And be sure to stick around for the weekly brew, Greg. The Weekly Brew, bro, bro. <laughs> where we'll talk about how a local Austin oh, resident man. changed the lives of over 400 recent college graduates. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, good stuff. Um, 400? Over 400. But before we get started with our topic and our interview, let's hear about what we're drinking today. Jonathan? Of course, of course. What we got? Mm. We're drinking on 4th Tap Brewing Co-op. What? I've never had one of their beers. Man. Um, and... If you look at the beers, it's got really it cool artwork on nuts. it. Oh, yeah. And every single one of the beers has different artwork, every one of the types. So they're, of course, local um, to North Austin. A couple Austin natives banded together with a few transplants from Houston, San Antonio, Corpus Christi, and they built Fourth Tap Brewing uh, Co-op in their old stomping grounds of North Central Austin. I guess they lived there as roommates together. So after six years of preparation, Research, aka drinking a lot of beers and development. It's a good research. <laughs> Brewing beers. Wow. Yeah. They it's finally like opened their doors. <laughs> <laughs> they opened their doors in 2015, uh, and the main focus was just using quality and on quality ingredients and honest beer. So they have some year-round types, which are the uh, there's a blonde, an amber, an IPA, a heavy Scotch IPA, and then they, which they all have some wild names. Um, you can go on their website for the details, and they have seasonal ones, which they have a brute IPA called the Brute of All Evil, which we do have Whoa. with us in our possession today, um, which huh. we can crack. And then they have the Super Knot Stout, which is what we're going to try first, and this is a a whopping Super Knot. On the website, it says 13 percent. Uh, alcohol. Oh my gosh. So that should be fun. Nice. Um, and there's a few other seasonal ones uh, that you can check on the website. But really cool, um, cool beer, cool brewery. And let's see how cool the beer is. Let's taste. I want to taste cool. it. Yeah, how taste delicious. Oh, that's thick. You can see it. It mm-hmm. looks thick and is dark. This tar? So this is the Super Knot oh, yeah. Stout. Oh my gosh. You should have got Super Knot Stout, so it rhymes. Super Knot Stout. Super Knot. Super I like it Super Knot, like an astronaut. Oh, yeah. like an astronaut, because it does look like it's super in space. Knot. It does look like it's in space, but who knows? Super Knot it's Stout. Not. It's not so Knot. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not Knot. It's not. 
bodies. This is like a, a meal in a cup. <laughs> it says it's full bodied, easy on the hops, and what? very sweet. Mm-hmm. So kind of chocolatey. It does. It has. It does actually have. It is chocolate. Like chocolate. Yeah. chocolate, yeah. Last week we drank tequila on the show. Ooh. So that was a little, came, went down smooth, but got to yeah. us pretty quick. It packed a furious punch. It did. <laughs> so, Mr. Carr. Yes. Please. Mr. Tell us, tell us about, mm-hmm. what's your story? Well, my wife and I, you know, our story really starts in childhood. We were both sick kids. Uh, my wife, Serenity, she was born early uh, and had her first ear infection at two weeks old, round of antibiotics, and then rinse and repeat all her childhood. She was just sick, antibiotics, more sick, more antibiotics, just completely killed her gut. They didn't know what leaky gut was then, but basically like the antibiotics just really, really hurt her gut and made it so that she couldn't eat without a lot of pain. And she, by her teen years, was just living on antacids, constantly getting antacids. She, like say she, she experimented with drugs in high school like everybody, but for her it was like Pepto-Bismo and Pepsi yeah. C and oh, she was excited, CBS. yeah, and getting all the over-the-counters and just living on them constantly. Mm-hmm. Got to the point where she, in adulthood, she couldn't even drink water without pain like she would drink water be like one two three ah wow doctors told her she had to take a pill every every day for the rest of her life if she wanted to eat and she was like 33 and was like i'm not satisfied with that i can't there's got to be a better way she calls her dad her dad's a shrink he calms her down and he says you know well maybe you should read that book i gave you for christmas last year you know the one on the paleo diet and she was like, what? Dumb dad book? I don't read those. <laughs> Eat like a caveman? Are you crazy? You know? But she was desperate, so she read it, and it made a lot of sense to her. And what uh, year was this? This was like like not, like not nine years ago. Oh, okay. So this oh. was really before paleo was yeah. a thing. Like, paleo had just kind of come out. Mm-hmm. So she was a real early adopter. Real, changed it right away. Made a huge difference. Cured all her stomach stuff. All of, uh, you know, wow. her, she had insomnia, anxiety. All these things went away from changing her diet. And for the listeners that might not know what paleo is, yep. give a quick sure. rundown. Sure. The paleo diet is, is, is basically meat and vegetables. You know, you take away... Foods that are low in nutrition, like grains, legumes, uh, processed foods, sugars, most oils, and replace them with the most nutrient-dense foods you can eat, which is meat and vegetables. Mm-hmm. It's based off the it's called paleo because it's based off the ancestral diet, like what humans ate for hundreds of thousands of years before agriculture. Gotcha. Um, so the way our G, our DNA is actually wired to be to eating. So she tried this and it worked really well um, and eventually got passionate about it, left her corporate job to uh, start a food coaching business to help other people heal themselves with food, teaching other people how to, how to be paleo, uh, which is eventually how she met me. Um, I'm autistic and was not diagnosed as a child, so uh, I had really huge energy. I just took over everywhere I went. Uh, and this was a big problem for classrooms and friend groups, and you know I didn't know how to regulate. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't know what was wrong with me. They tried to call me ADHD, but it, that wasn't accurate. Uh, they didn't know as much about autism at the time. Uh, so I think my official diagnosis was obnoxious. Oh, just, man. just too much, for, too much for the first thirty years. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't diagnosed till college. So you know, so like basically all my childhood, I was 
you know, told I was needed to calm down, need to be quiet, need to sit still. Uh, except when I was on stage. On the, my mom discovered that theater and music and dance huh. was where I shined. That was my autistic superpower. Was this huge energy was great on a stage? I could take over an auditorium. You know, I just didn't know how to stop performing. You know, I was yeah. just taking over a classroom too. So, uh, but in middle school, this semi-popular girl uh, who I was probably annoying, uh, instead of being mean to me. <laughs> She decided to take me under her wing. She was like, I'm going to teach you how to be cool. And I was like, I will do whatever you say. <laughs> you know, I'm ready. I'm sick of being an outcast. Too, so I, was like, I was 13. Yeah, I was seventh grade. And, uh, you know, so I just did whatever they said. I basically, they taught me social skills. They were my first autism therapist, basically. They taught me, you know, say this, don't say that, wear this, don't wear that. And uh, I learned the most important lesson of my life, which was that I can change myself, that I can take feedback, integrate it, become a better person, be a better version of myself. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and slowly became better and better and you know, got more friends and figured out how to do school. Uh, was still performing, loved that. Um, and then in high school, realized that I could also change the world. That it wasn't just me I could change, but there's I could make a concrete impact, make the world better. And given how tough of childhood I had, I was really committed to changing the world for kids. Uh, and so I moved to Austin um, in 2008, uh, working for youth programs. Uh, and eventually started my own youth nonprofit uh, that was basically everything I ever wanted as a kid, you know, a place where kids can really be free and What's explore. It was called Growing Together. Yeah. You know, it lasted for about two and a half years. Program was awesome. I knew nothing about running a business. So in the end, you know, mm -hmm. it failed due to finances and leadership and teams and legal stuff. You know, there's all kinds of mm -hmm. details that I had to learn. So uh, uh, that kind of collapsed and I started working for a, a local personal growth startup that was determined to teach me sales and leadership. They made me their head of sales. Pretty much out the gate, I was doing like 90 hour weeks, constant events, you know, going crazy I met that's how I met serenity uh, she we brought her in to be a speaker to talk about the paleo diet fell in love with her and the paleo diet at the same time so and then the, changing my diet was a huge part of integrating my autism like the, the paleo diets ideal for autistic people because we're really sensitive to toxins and allergens yeah. and you know gut sensitivities and so forth so mm. that was became really important to me and you know so our food was really important to us so then in 2016 we were talking about uh, getting pregnant planning to get have a baby and uh, I was also in startup entrepreneur mode because I was just quit the 90 hour a week job because I was like I can't have a baby like this like uh, there's got to be a better way yeah. read Tim Ferriss's four hour no, work week yeah, was like oh I can separate time from my purpose from how I make money by by starting a product I'd never occurred to me to, yeah. to build to make a product I was always in service which is just hour for hour you know so didn't we talk didn't four hour work week come up last week last week too yeah so I read that right out, you know, I quit the job, not knowing what I was going to do else, read this book, was on the hunt for a product. I was like, niche market that I'm a part of, there's a market gap that we could fill, we could outsource the, the creation, you know, I had this whole model in mind. And I had a variety of products I was looking at that I had some different ideas, but... When we were at uh, this international paleo conference in Austin called Paleo FX, Serenity's like, ooh, the baby, let's go find the baby stuff. There's got to be some great baby foods and so forth. 
No. Nothing. Not a not a single thing. No food, no toys, no cleaning prop, like nothing for, for kids or babies. Even though the paleo movement had been around long enough that a lot of the paleo leaders had started having babies. There's probably like a dog section. <laughs> yeah, they, oh yeah, there's totally paleo dog food. <laughs> but no paleo baby no food. No baby food. Yep, and the more research she did on what babies need, the more angry she got about what is on the aisle. Because essentially babies, you know, need a lot of fat. Uh, breast milk is nature's perfect baby food, yeah. and it's mostly fat. The half, over half the calories of, of breast milk are from fat. The other half are from carbs, and there's some protein in there. Hmm. And so babies, babies need, you know, USDA says 30 grams of fat a day, you know, for a little baby. That's like, for us, that'd be like 300 grams of fat. So a lot of fat. Meat is super important first food for babies. Breast milk's an animal product, so other animal products are most nutrient-dense foods out there, animal products, like they pack the most vitamins minerals protein fat all that um, and uh, and then well-sourced animal products are even better like pasture-raised ethically sourced animal products have more nutrition as well as are better for the planet um, and so we're like there's you know there's got to be some good meat for babies there's got to be some good fat products uh, and, and then and then sugar is a problem you don't want to give kids sugar like sugars is yeah. not needed that creates sugar addiction there's sh blood sugar crashes so forth so we go to the aisle and the Brown baby food addiction. aisle yeah, right? It's most of Americans have a sugar addiction. A gummy bear. Gummies bear. Yep. Gummy Is that why you're so sweet? Come <laughs> <laughs> That's yep. why. Yep. In my car, in my office, at all times, there's gummy bears. There you go. So it's a big problem. Serenity struggled with it a lot. She, sugar was a huge thing for her. So, so when she went to the baby food aisle, and we discovered that basically it's the polar opposite of what babies need. It's all sugar. There's no meat. There's no fat. Like it's all fruit purees, so like wild. almost yeah. the entire aisle. Yeah. There's fruit with some veggies, like there's some veggies mixed in there with the fruits, but it's overwhelmingly sweet. The average nine grams of sugar per pouch, mm. these little baby food pouches. Yeah, but isn't a gram sugar pretty much like one of those packets you put in your coffee or about half? You know, I don't know how, how much a gram is. It's a lot. How, but it's a lot. I mean, yeah. nine, and this yeah. is for a 15 pound baby. So yeah. that'd be like us eating 90 grams of sugar. You know, like in one sitting. And they're eating like two or three of these pouches a day because they've got no nutrition. They're all fruit puree, so yeah. they have to eat a bunch of them. They're eating all the sugar and uh, not getting the nutrition they need, not getting the fat they need. So we're like, this is crazy because the rest of the store, sugar is out, meat is in, you know, fat is back, right? Yeah. The, the trends are clear, yeah. but it has not trickled down to the baby food aisle. Right. So we were on a mission to change this and to bring meat and fat back to the baby food aisle. Mm. Because um, it was it was there in the seventies. It's just the low fat movement, plus the like vegetarian mythology around meat being bad for you, all trickled down to babies, and now there's not what they need. So we we set to work creating recipes. We made them in our kitchen first. We cooked a bunch of meat and veggie baby foods uh, with the, you know good high fat meat cuts with some different veggie combinations. Mm. Passed them out to babies. Tested our product on babies. <laughs> where'd you get the Where'd you get the sample babies? We just reached out to a lot of our friends, you know, like we're just like friends with babies and everybody who has a baby knows other people with babies. So yeah. it was like your friends have babies and their friends and their friends and their friends. And we did a bunch of rounds where we passed out different flavors and found the ones that tasted the best. And those became our, our initial product line. Did you try them on yourselves too? Oh yeah, we tasted yeah. them first. We didn't pass on anything that we didn't also already like because yeah. we know the moms taste it. So we're like, we want this to taste good to the parent when they take when they taste it, and and, and it it's sort all, of a weird product. It was all pureed, like a it's pouch. all purees. Oh. So it's we basically take well sourced meat, so pasture raised. For instance, we have a grass fed beef with organic sweet potato and kale, um, and that's you know we just puree all that together. We get a high fat 
beef, so it's a 80% How do you puree that? How do you work that? In purpose? the kitchen, we did it in a blender. Yeah. You know, we cook everything and then just blend the shit out of it. Uh, in our factory now, they have a big-ass thing called a Comatrol that has 700 blades or something and wow. can puree a chair. Nice. So huh. it's like crazy machine that purees it. Okay. Yeah, so we our initial product was the beef, the free-range chicken with organic peas and carrots, and our uncured bacon with organic butternut squash and kale. Ooh. So all kinds of, if you think about a fancy restaurant plate, you yeah. know, steak, sweet potato kale like it's we were just replicating what would be the best foods out there and sure. uh, but making it for babies and they taste really good because the fat tastes good the high quality meat tastes really good the veggie combos we chose taste good so they turn out to taste good it turns out a lot of baby food doesn't actually taste good people think babies should just shut up and eat it because they can't mm. complain yeah. you know um, and uh, so so where we were like no we want this to be good they want them to enjoy this uh, which moms love because the babies just suck it down so fast yeah. and there's nothing better than an easy easy feed for a baby yeah. so you know we have a lot of production challenges uh, we're trying to use the same machinery they're using for fruit purees to make a high fat meat puree so we you know we though we had the idea in 2016 the products didn't come out for sale till last August and we were like two months away from launch for like two years it was like but one more run we're gonna do it one more yeah. one more so we kept like you know we we started raising money about a year in uh, we built our team we did a ton of marketing we started pitching to, to grocery stores all before we had the product out because we thought it was about to come out yeah uh, so by the time it came out we had a pretty sophisticated business because we've been you know for about two years building our team and spreading the word and building the brand and uh, you know building relationships and so forth so we products came out for sale on our website on August 5th which is the same day our baby was born what? Like, Sorry. you know, the baby was so it's crazy. The baby was two weeks early. The products were a year and a half late. <laughs> and it just coincided on the same day to just let us know that there's divine intervention here, you know. We'd never planned it that way, of course, because it was wow. a nightmare. Our team is trying to do the launch while we're in the hospital, you know. But, uh, but the products came out and started selling super well right away. Um, we engaged a sales team to start pitching retail a lot harder so now that the products were out, uh, which led up to Whole Foods buyer calling my cell phone in, a, in November, just a couple months later, saying, hey, I, we, you this know, we want to, yeah, this is just most recent November. He literally, we'd never met with him. He calls my cell phone and says like, hey, I've got your products on my desk. I have a slot open for a global launch in February. We need to fill. Can you do it? All stores in February. Like, I was like, this February? You know, like, yeah. all stores? All stores? As in 430 like stores? The dream. Yeah, it was like, I was like, I was like, Mike, is this you? Are you really you? You're messing with me? You know, but it was, uh, it was super legit and we moved really fast and, you know, we had other products under development that we fast tracked to get out in time and we launched with five flavors last February in all Whole Foods stores, um, which also drove us into national distribution. Uh, via the major um, natural distributor called Unify. Okay. So that allowed lots of other stores to buy us really fast because they can buy from their local distributor. Mm -hmm. So our store count, we got another 200 stores in the first month, just they were just ordering out the catalog. Like they just are so dying for new baby food because every buyer we meet with is like, finally somebody's doing something better for baby food. So what stores can we find your product? So, so Whole Foods National, um, we are about to launch an Earth Fair as well, and uh, in, in Austin, you can find us in Enlightened Baby, 
uh, little baby stores. We're also in um, Harlan's on the east, or Arlen's on the east side, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, oh, I forgot what it's called. He's gonna be mad at me. But there's another little little <laughs> store. So, but we're talking Central Market HEB. That's you know taking a little longer than we thought. Uh, we're talking to Sprouts, okay. uh, but we launched at Hy-Vee um, in, in July. Uh, we're talking to Wheatsville. They're a little slow as well, so yeah. looking at the summer for Wheatsville. Um, so it's funny to be in Whole Foods Global before in Wheatsville. It's, right. yeah. it's right. kind of weird like for an Austin brand to like just skip that step, just go totally. straight to national. Uh, you know, but we're in 700 stores now with a, a couple hundred more coming online. That's insane. You know, in this next so, few months. And just to backtrack, uh, I first met Joe when we were we were at a networking thing. Oh yeah, and you were essentially coaching. I was at the a time. dating coach. He was a date doctor. Yeah, hit what? Yeah, he was hit. I I tried a variety of things. <laughs> and uh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. We had some. That's right. What the heck? Yep. <laughs> You're the only single one. I know, right? It's not a bad that's thing, big. but. Maybe we'll talk after. All right. Well, <laughs> need a date. <laughs> so we met. This was what, maybe 2015 ish, something like that. You were you were dating Serenity at the time, mm-hmm. um, and then got married, and then all this came about, and then oh hey, we have a baby food company coming online. And I had no idea. Helped them find a lease, their second one now, and and then of course where they're business is run out of at the moment mm-hmm. um so it was cool to see the story like from someone who yeah. you know was close enough to have interactions with you but also like i didn't it just kind of came out of nowhere as well. that was actually during the time that we were in the very beginning stages of the company and i yeah. was like trying to make money doing this and that because sure. it wasn't paying and so dating coaching was one of the things i <laughs> tried to do to make money yeah. fairly unsuccessfully yeah. uh so you know it's a hard market so <laughs> cool yeah. Well, can I backtrack for mm-hmm. a second? Because you, you kind of brushed over this as to, it sounded easier than it probably was. Sure. But getting into all these stores, like, walk us through that process. Yeah. Like, where do you start? Yeah, so, you know... Um, the traditional food model is to like basically make your product in your kitchen mm-hmm. and then sell it wherever you can farmers markets small co-ops whatever to try to like learn about your customer and it's pretty easy to access those smaller companies because you can bring in your products hey I'm local and who who who, who makes this decision you know places like Wheatsville mm-hmm. uh, but because we wanted to do a shelf stable meat in a pouch which is a tricky combination. Yeah, sure. Requires very complex machinery. We really wanted to sell online, which means it definitely needed to be shelf stable. And the traditional baby food model now is this shelf stable squeeze pouch. So we wanted to be on the aisle next to all the other baby foods. Mm -hmm. Didn't want them to have to go to the refrigerated section or something. So we basically couldn't make it ourselves. We had to outsource that. Um, You know, which means that we sooner than later had to raise capital because we couldn't self-finance through the production. Shark tank? Uh, so we did you know, Shark Tank actually requires you have a product and already have sales. So we couldn't get the, as far oh. as Shark Tank even. We had to do our own friends and family investor round. Uh, we self-funded for about a year to get the product, a prototype, basically get our get a relationship with the factory and get a sample product and build a website and build a brand. And then we used that to raise our first capital. Um, and uh, and then with grocery, so for, for little stores, it's easy to just kind of go in and ask to speak to whoever does the buying, tell them about it. But for big stores, you basically have to have some kind of middleman. 
uh, either a broker or some kind of sales ex uh, sales team or sales rep who knows how to get in. And then you just kind of schedule, they, they schedule a meeting with the buyer. There's a buyer who buys for different categories okay. of the different stores that you're in. So, you know, for Whole Foods, for instance, our buyer buys for baby. He also buys for uh, pet and for cleaning products. Like those are his three categories. Oh. So he decides what products go on the shelf uh, nationally. Quite different. Yeah, right? <laughs> they are very different. They're all sort of, you know, he's babies and dogs and, and, yeah. and cleansers, you know. So, uh, you know, but different buyers are different things and so forth so we actually engaged uh, uh, an outsourced sales team um, they're kind of like a broker uh, but they're more like like a sales team that instead of having your own in-house sales team they work for you for less money than if you were to have them dedicated but they already have relationships with all these buyers sure. and they know the field and they have their own culture and you know you have an account manager that does the hustling for you and so forth so so that's a kind of unique model there's not very many of those yeah. but we got to engage those so they get us meetings but we've gotten a lot of meetings on our own before them just by you know calling and asking who to talk to or like getting this person introduces us to this person or there's some online databases too well there's one called range me where it's like a dating site for for, for products and, and stores like the stores oh, cool. are the women they contact the product if they want you <laughs> so we, that was actually our first legit Whole Foods contact was through that site they found uh, our products and, and were interested but it wasn't the right time range range me. me yep you pay a little money and then they'll verify you as like a legit product and then they'll promote oh. you it's like a social network site sort of Whoa. you have like a fake you know so, so there's a variety of ways to get in uh, you know but it is a very retail is a very very complicated business yeah with a lot of middlemen, you know. So what about what about the, the prepping the meal, or prepping the meals, like, you know, do you have to mm -hmm. get USDA certified? How do you get, you know, how do you go through all those? Yeah, so USDA regulates all meat and dairy products. Okay. So we are USDA regulated, so that meant that all of our, fa our factory and any supplier in between had to be USDA regulated. USDA also approves our label, so we have to send them our labels in advance and they say what well, we can can't say hmm. on the label. Uh, and that requires prior approval. So there's a lot of different steps there. Our factory, you know, does most of the work because they're the ones who are actually making the product they're putting the meat together and they're uh, and is I it, say it's in Austin it's not it's in Indiana okay there's actually only four facilities in the country that can make our product based off being able to fill pouches and, and how do you keep meat good in a pouch yeah we use a process uh, or that's they use called retort which is similar to home canning it's a high heat high pressure Okay. So they, they, they mix all the food together, they put it in the pouch, they cap it, and then they put all the pouches through this big machine, looks like a space, looks like a space machine of some kind. And it brings everything up to 250 degrees and holds it there for 30 minutes with a ton of pressure. And it just kills off any bacteria inside the pouch, just like you would in a can. Wow. And then it's self-stable forever. It's, it's literally like, infinite, like a, like an MRE, military. Yes, they. In fact, our factory makes MREs. That's their right. half their business MREs and half is meat baby food. Does so. it not yeah. destroy any of the nutritional? You know, you know it, food? It, not very much of it. You know, there is a little bit of vitamin content of the vegetables lost anytime you cook. 
I mean, vegetables, like once you pick it, it starts to, the vitamins start to deteriorate. So there's something like 25% of the veg, of the nutrients left once it reaches the grocery store shelf. So it's yeah. like already dying. So you cook it at all, it starts to kill it. But, you know, so there's some nutrition lost from the vitamin content, but man, everything else is great. The minerals, the fat, the protein, the carbohydrates, you know, all that is still fully intact. So if you want to get the most nutritional value out of a, a carrot, you probably want to eat it when it's in the dirt. Yeah, you pick it and eat it. That's the best right. way. Okay, got that? Yep. Okay, thanks. Yep, and with meat too, kill it and eat it, you know. Faster <laughs> you faster you eat it, like the, the, the more motion more vit specifically vitamins. Okay. You know, that's the only thing that degrades. Minerals don't, fat doesn't, protein doesn't, all that stays Just fine. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Is anyone else's head feeling heavy from this beer already? I feel I'm, I'm a little light. Like, I'm about halfway through it, but I'm going to try this other one too. Because this one's heavy, so I'm going to open this one up for a yeah, first just to taste the Let's difference. Try. This one is called the Brood of All Evil. It's uh, got a weird is, uh, eyeball in it. Yeah, what's up with that? I'm it's kind of creepy. The can. It's creepy. It's a brood. Do you want a brood? No, I don't like ale, so. I'm an ale guy. Might take taste here just to see, but. Brood of All Evil. It's got a skull on it too. Looks real spooky. Creepy. This one has foam. This is it. Oh, it's, it's like a sweet pale ale. Smells like oranges. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Not bad. Cool. So. Wow. Question. I mean, it sounds like the business has taken up a lot of your time. I know you have a nine-month-old. Yes. Wow. Dude. Yes. So we had the baby. We, you know, we started the business. We got married. We got pregnant. We had a baby. We launched the products. We built the team. We went. Global Whole Foods was like a massive game changer. I mean, when he oh, called, yeah. it was like, man, we've got to open an office. We got to double our team. We've got to like, we had to really be ready for that. Yeah, he called me. He said, I need a place. We had a few months. We had a few months to like <laughs> go from you know one employee to you know a whole team in an office, you know, in Austin. So is is that extremely fast growth because of Whole Foods just recognizing something great? Like, what do you owe that to? I mean, because that seems it's a good question. You know, besides yeah. God, like, doesn't you know, yeah. <laughs> like God's the first first answer. It's like, it was just divine. Away and chip you, away know? And chip away you know, and like I said, we had for two years, you know, okay. so it wasn't like, okay. it wasn't like out of the blue, right? Like we had been building the brand and we'd been putting in the time yeah. and we did all that before we had the baby. And so I think that's one of the mm. things that gave us an advantage over maybe some other companies is like, a lot of parents don't realize about these gaps until they have the baby, which is the worst time to try to start yeah. a company when you have a newborn. So we were, because we've started it before we actually had the baby, we were able to get a lot of stuff in place so that by the time we popped out the baby, uh, we had a team that could take over for us and had like a really good advisory board and wow. we had good investors and like we had all that ready for us. Um, you know, so we'd, we'd really done the groundwork, but that, you know, so part of that was that part of it's how big the, you know, they call it the white space, which is the, the gap in the yeah. market. Like that there's such, there's literally zero products like this. It's pretty rare that, that anybody insane. sees something brand new. You know, when was yeah. the last time you saw something genuinely original? And so there's, that happens so rarely that when it does, it gets people's attention and baby food is a, is a really big category you know it's a you know, two billion dollar yeah, category yeah. a year you know so it's like huge parents will spend anything on their babies so and there'd been like this price 
ceiling in the aisle. You know, basically two two dollars a pouch was kind of the max anybody was willing to charge. Yeah. And ours is double. Ours is you know three ninety nine a pouch. Has anybody offered to buy you guys out? We got an offer last week actually. It wasn't like a like an offer. Offer it was more like a, we'd like to discuss. Yeah. The potential. Do We're we still sort of vetting who they are. I don't even okay. remember their name. Okay. Like, like it wasn't anything significant. Yeah, it was right. some kind of. It wasn't a, a, a food company. You know, okay. that's for sure. It was like some kind of you know firm or something. Who knows who they are? So we're still finding that out. We're not going to sell to them at this point. I mean, we're not. That's not where we're at. But it was it was flattering anyway. And the yeah. name is. I don't think you've. I don't shared, remember what it is. No, the, oh, name, the name of the, the company, company is called Serenity Kids. Yeah. My wife's name is Serenity. So they said keep it personal, and Joe Kids just didn't have the same ring to it. Joe Kids, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Serenity. Uh, Joe Kids. She's got a good name to her, you know. It can it's go great. with anything. And it's so much for the brand because it's like, you know, when you eat sugar, when you eat fat and and protein instead of sugar, like there's there's more strength, especially a baby. Like you feed them sugar, they go a little cray cray. Yeah. Versus the yeah. fat and protein and meats, it's like more satiating. Um, also, we use only pasture raised, you know, ethically sourced, humane certified uh, animals. Which so it's like the serene lifestyle of the animal. We visited the farms, so we get to see how the animals live. The farmers are super serene. That's several meanings behind. Yeah, the serenity. Our our staff, like you know, we got a house instead of an office. You know, we're all in a house. We have on-site childcare for our baby and our um, one of our employees' babies. So we have like babies on-site with the company. All peaceful. All super serene. Surrounded. (laughs) I wouldn't call it peaceful necessarily because we're a startup. You know. But peaceful and serenity is not necessarily the same thing, but it's like serenity. It's like we're very... One of your employees is serenity, freaking out. You're like, here, eat this. Yeah, right? Have some baby food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, that's awesome. Or have a beer. We have beer. Yes, there you go. We provide beer, so... <laughs> I tell the story all the time. It's really cool. And, and I still learn. Like, I didn't know that, that you and serenity had those things, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. growing up with the gut issues. So, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Between the business and the baby, are you able to focus on, like making a local impact in Austin in other ways? I know you had your nonprofit a few years back. Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, I do a lot of work with the autism community. That's probably the primary uh, non-baby food community I do. Uh, So I'm on the the Autistic Adults Advisory Board for the Autism Society of Texas. So Mm -hmm. they formed a little... Auti- we, you know, they serve autistic people, so they wanted to be accountable to us. So okay. I'm on that and do some different, like, speaking and education stuff around autism. Uh, also do work with men, part of the Mankind Project, uh, which teaches uh, a lot of stuff around masculinity and, um, you There's know. There's a Mankind Project. Mankind Project, yeah. It's wow. a, an amazing community of men that's all about teaching integrity and power and mission. Just <laughs> 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 keep on picking on <laughs> You know, so I do some work with them, you know, but the baby obviously takes up a lot of time. And then yeah. uh, and then we're involved in the, the Austin baby scene as much as we can. We do different events and things around, like, supporting babies. There's a lot of really cool programs in Austin that support babies, mm-hmm. and we love them. Can you tell me about a little more about the autism thing? So, like, mm-hmm. I for years I didn't know that you had autism. And really until, like, I think it was, like, eight months ago I saw a video that you posted on on Facebook and you know you kind of broke it down and I had no idea I don't think most people would know that because you know sure. it's a mild case like what are the, tell me a little bit more about that like what are the deep what are the specifics and then 
how would someone know? Yeah. You know, autism, they're still figuring it out. You know, there's still a lot of research being done on it. There's a lot of stereotypes that aren't true. There's a lot of, you know, misnomers around it. Uh, so there's a lot of things people don't know. Uh, but, you know, essentially the, some of the primary traits of autism are uh, extreme sensitivity to stimulation. So sight, sound, touch, uh, you know, we can be very, very sensitive to that, um, to the point of freaking out if there's too much, right, being overwhelmed really okay. easily. Uh, and that also extends to emotional and energetic sensitivity, like I can feel people. Uh, I can also have people feel me. Right, which is why I'm such a good performer because I can take over hmm. a room. If I don't know I'm doing that, I can make a whole room really mad, or I can make you know. As a kid, I made everybody hate me. You know, I, I took on this idea that that I'm bad and and everyone hates me, and then I just spread that around and it made it true all the time. So as soon as that girl in middle school said, "No, you can be cool," I was like, "Oh, I'm cool," and suddenly I was cool. Right, like I can project that. Um, and so you know, different autistic people have different levels of how much they've learned to use that side of their skill the ability to make other people feel but but all those people know how much they feel others like we are very sensitive um, um, to that uh, it's, which leads to difficulty in social interaction um, because people are sending out all these messages all the time that aren't that are often not consistent with their words or their facial expression mm -hmm. so like somebody might be like I'm fine you know, and they're like, not fine. Mm -hmm. So like, we feel that they're not fine, but they're saying they're fine. So we think we're, something's wrong with us. Like, so what's wrong with me? I don't, wow. I, that, I don't, that doesn't make sense. You know, there must be something wrong with me. Uh, and when, when actually it's just that there's incongruence there. Right. Um, and so a lot of the, you know, so I teach a lot of autistic people to trust their first thought and to interact mm -hmm. with the person based off how they know the person to be regardless of what they're saying. Whereas other people might say, you know, this is, if a person's smiling, it means they're happy. That's how they like teach autistic kids oh. to, to, to like uh, use their brains to analyze how a person is as opposed to like deeply connecting with them. Um, and so like that's one of the things I've, I've learned how to do is like really open myself and connect, which is a great dating skill. Gregory, by the way. Women <laughs> 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 just want to be felt. They just want you to feel them. Whoa. Wow. Well, that's great. It could get you in yeah. trouble yes. or it could yep. be the... Don't use your brain. Feel them. <laughs> Energetically, I mean. Energetic, yes. Okay. Noted. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yep. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess the, the, the main thing I would say about autism is that it's it's not a disability. You know, it's really, there's no reason that it needs to be considered a disability. Like there's, there's nothing, you know, there are things that we're not as good at that the average person's really good at. There's things we're way better at that the average person's not good at. You know, so there's sort of an extreme around like di skills and, and deficiencies, um, but they but they average out. So yeah, in sure. the end, it's not a, a disability overall. It's just a different way of being. It's a different, it's a, it's a, it's a brain orientation that we don't need to change autistic people we need to change society so that it allows for people of different uh, brain orientations to to you know um, participate is it not different you can you be different levels as well sure like other extreme yeah it can manifest in different ways and yeah. a lot of that is exacerbated by toxins uh, because we're so sensitive we're sensitive at the cellular level so when we uh, toxins from vaccines for instance is a big correlation around vaccines and symptoms of autism appearing. Okay. Uh, my theory on that is that we're just so sensitive to the heavy metals. In fact, I actually have pretty high level heavy metal toxicity that huh. we can't, we can only assume came from vaccines. I don't have any other exposure. So I'm in the process of doing cleansing of that. But uh, also foods, like we're extremely sensitive to food and a lot of autistic people are food, have uh, 
you know, are ta have food issues with, with the way it tastes and touch, so sometimes they're very picky. They'll only eat certain foods. And if the foods they become addicted to, like sugar and grain or, or wheat, are mm -hmm. poisonous for them, it's going to make their symptoms even worse. So it's like can be a cycle. So it goes back to the whole paleo thing. Yeah, which, exactly. And it's been very impactful for you. Mm -hmm. So some people, you know, and, and, and but you know, there are autistic people who have the, the best diet and didn't get vaccinated and so forth, and they still are nonverbal or whatever. They have more extreme symptoms than me. Uh, but it doesn't mean they don't have something to offer the world. They always, you know, there's some sure. kind of contribution they have in one way or another. Um, you know, at the very least to teach us all that uh, we can't control everything. Because yeah. autistic people, we will not be controlled. You cannot control us. Hmm. So if someone needed to learn surrender and not to control, then maybe they get an autistic child, you know, to, to teach them that. And, and, and I, I assume a lot of that, too, is even if you have every, you're, you're eating the right diet and all those good things, it's still the nurture thing. It's the way you grew up, the yeah. family, the sure. way, you know, you were raised. Mm -hmm. So yep. interesting. Okay. Well, thanks for teaching yeah. us a little bit about that as well. Totally. Wow. Man, a lot of good stuff. Um, what do you do for fun in Austin? <laughs> I really love nature. So yep. love to go out to nature. So obviously surrounded by Greenbelt, which is really great. Love yeah. to take the baby out as well. She loves being in the woods. And yeah. uh, we've been going to the Twin Falls a lot, hanging out there, swimming there. It's right by our house, so that's nice. Um, all love movies, sci-fi, fantasy. Did uh, you watch John Wick? Uh, you know, is it is it is the, it seems more action than sci-fi? Is it more sci-fi? Well, no, it's all action. It just seemed all action. I, I'm getting <laughs> a little bored with just action for yeah. action's sake. Okay. So okay. you know, Strange I like I, I want a little bit of more. Sci you know, I don't like horror. I don't like to be like freaked out. So Stranger Things is a little dark for me. But like you know, I love superhero movies. You know, yeah. massive yeah. Avengers fan. Yeah. You watched the last one? Oh, of course, okay. well, many times already. Oh, wow. Dressed up at my Tony Stark costume. I know, yeah. right? So it had three hours. <laughs> yeah. so, so are you the type to dress up for Harry Potter? Oh yeah, Potter? I went to. I uh, I did dress up for Harry Potter too. Yeah, I, think I, remember I love this costumes. Yeah, I think I remember you telling me about. Yeah, I love costumes. They're super fun. So so that's great. Love to go. There's so many cool, weird events in Austin, like happy hours and strange like presentations and speakers. So I love to kind of just see. What Have those you ever are. gone to Secret Theater on the East Side? I've heard about this. Yeah, my friend got married there. Actually, we had. Uh, her, his wedding was at the secret theater we tried to have our wedding at the secret theater and it was under investigation by the city or yeah they yeah, were like yeah. blocking them so we couldn't have our wedding there but, right. but it's pretty cool okay. well they play sci-fi movies oh do they outdoor theater oh I gotta the go there right. so and you can weird. dress up and feel oh, right nice. at home yeah, it's great it's, it's great. outdoors yeah. so. when I first met you at this this networking event you know you were the date doctor you were all you dressed up all fly and i just i didn't see the other sides of you you know <laughs> so it's cool to know you as a whole now and as opposed to just that one little for sure yeah but cool. yeah doing good doing yeah. it all right we gotta we gotta wrap this up gents we can do that because what oh you got a thought enlighten Dude. us well it's it's one of your favorite questions yes as far as are you single <laughs> what <laughs> we didn't establish that already. That's his favorite question. I was trying to oh, say. Yeah. Greg is available. Yeah, you can find Greg him Carlson. at Greg Carlson on Instagram. <laughs> on Insta. Who are your influences? Yeah, That's I'll, the question you're yeah, going to ask. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 
Oh, that's a great question. So, you know, we mentioned Tim Ferriss as the kind of beginning of this journey. He's yep. been awesome. I buy basically everything he says to buy. So, like, Did you see him when he came in to book people? You know, he's, he's been in Austin for like uh, over a year and I've still never seen him. He so, did one talk. Way. I book people. Oh, cool! Yeah, but but it was like it, it was packed. It's it great. Packed and and yeah, interesting. Yeah. So before, but but you know, so before him, uh, you know, I was really inspired a lot by Marshall Rosenberg, mm-hmm. who uh, created a, a communication bottle called Nonviolent Communication. Really powerful way of uh, connecting with people. Um, mm-hmm. Nicole De Don uh, is the the founder of One Taste, which is the nonprofit, which was the the startup uh, personal growth startup I worked with in Austin. Her program really taught me how to. She really helped me own my autism, like how to 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 to, to connect to the feelings of the world, like how to interact with the world on a physical, energetic level and get out of my head because huh. you know so little happens up here. Actually, like mm-hmm. we're all just reacting to things here. So um, and and also how that's how to, to, to approach women and sex is like is uh, through through the body through feeling and that really changed my whole that's relationship enough. with that's women enough. yeah so Nicole <laughs> don't know you, you can check her out um, uh, and uh, you know like I think before that in high school I was super inspired by you know Gandhi Martin Luther King like the the uh, you know Che Guevara the OGs. Uh, right like Subcomandante Marcos from the Zapatistas you know like uh, really oh, rap right, people who people who just taken social change into their own hands so yeah. we're not going to wait around for you know, we're not going to beg the government to change for us. We're going to to make it. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to make change and force the government to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I've been very inspired by them. Well, I got a question for you guys. Yeah. So we don't, we ask a lot of people this question. It's always really cool. For, for, the, for the co-hosts, who are your influences? Hmm. Who influences you? Gary Vaynerchuk. Ty Lopez. Who's Ty Lopez? Ty Lopez, he, he was a guy that grew up on uh, like couch surfing, grew up in a trailer, and uh, and now he's um, multi-business owner and well-known in the social media mm-hmm. realm, um, puts out good content every single day, he's very consistent doing so. Mm-hmm. Ed Milet as well, he just started producing content, but he, he went from being uh, middle class to over $400 million net worth from sales by selling products and smashing out phone calls every day. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, building his team underneath him, similar to, to real estate. Um, those are my top three or four people. Yeah, I, I, we always ask the question. I never really take time to think <laughs> about it. As he was, as he was sitting yeah. here talking about that, I was thinking about mine. Yeah. And I guess I would say that personally, Throwback in college, I took a course on Aristotle, and I, I think his like preachings on finding the mean balance in everything you do, never an extreme, never a deficiency, always trying to find the mean, and you can apply that to literally anything, whether it's money, family, relationships, love. You know, if you if you're an extreme or deficient in anything, you're gonna have issues. Um, so finding that mean balance. So Aristotle for sure for me, and then I guess more modern day like. I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. I love the energy thing. You know, if you have the greatest energy in the room, um, then people will follow that, and you're gonna, you know, you help enough people, you'll you'll get what you want, totally. kind of thing. 
So uh, I love uh, how Tony Robbins has really married wealth and social change. You know, like the more impact and the more people he helps, the more money he makes. Absolutely. You know, it's like yeah. money and impact don't have to be different. Right. Like, in fact, they can't be. Like, yeah. you basically, if you're making a lot of change in the world, you're going to make money. Like, it's just how it works. You help enough people, you, you get it right yeah. back to you. Who, who, what's that quote? Who says that? Um, it's not Tony Robbins that says that. It's help enough people, and you can't even think of it. It's a famous and one. And you get the scrizzle. And, uh, and the last yeah. thing is just books. I'm really inspired by Every time yeah. I read a book, you're going to hear about it because I'm like, this was awesome and it changed my life. Like I just read this book on attachment theory. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. The it's new science the, of adult attachment. Yeah, it's called Attached. It's yeah, amazing. It's amazing. And I'm like, I love this stuff book. needs to be taught when yes. as a kid. Yes. You know? Oh yeah, dude. But anyway, so every time I read a book, I, and I'm big into the you know self help books, I'm I'm sharing it with everyone, and I kind of get nerdy about it. So yeah, that's I need great. to read a Attached. Book. Mm -hmm. Attached. Okay, so put that on our reading list, everybody. Yeah, right. Okay. What about you? Not for me. I would say modern day. It's uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I listen to a lot of him, just for social media inspiration, branding, and for branding, and just for like again making an impact and reaching more people than you know those in your in your close bubble. Mm -hmm. Books. I love historical fiction, mainly around like World War Two. So. It's not only it's not always like specific people, but it's hearing those stories and like yeah. how how people survived yeah. during those times and great. and got out of whether it's like Holocaust or just anything where Game like, of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> not I don't have too many inspirations from Game of Thrones <laughs> characters, but um, and then way back to people who started our country, just like I think oh, yeah. I find those stories fascinating. I've been obsessed with Hamilton. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. I need to oh, see it. Oh, man, Hamilton. the music, as, as a performer, the musical, as a, uh, also rap and sing, so, like, as a performer, Hamilton's incredible. Yeah, you so know? I got to, I was a, an elementary school teacher hmm. before this hmm. before this life, so I got oh, cool. to relearn a lot of that kind before of stuff. Before you made, wanted to make money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so you learned as an adult, and you actually appreciated it. I appreciated, like, what, yeah. like, how it even it doesn't it still didn't make sense in some ways like the Civil War and pretty cool American Revolution but stories mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. if people want uh, as, and as far as more modern for me like uh, for the, as far as paleo goes if you want to learn more about paleo Rob Wolf is one of the okay. most prolific writers about the paleo movement also on our board awesome guy no kidding yep super super cool you write the book. He wrote, uh, he wrote, you know, there's a couple different paleo books. I can never remember what the different names are. Okay. Paleo something or other. Yeah. Uh, but Rob Wolf, two Bs, R-O-B-B. And then uh, I, podcasts, uh, my favorite paleo podcast is Daniel Vitalis, mm -hmm. Rewild Yourself. And he's all about, like, how we can live more wild today, like how we can eat. You know, there's, like, dozens of species in the green belt that we could eat. Yeah. You know, like, right now, you can go out and forage and eat wild foods which adds a whole lot of nutrition to diet that you don't get otherwise so so that's really interesting and and then from the the baby and uh nutrition standpoint um uh you know uh katie wells of wellness mama uh, also uh, involved in our company she writes incredible stuff on how to raise how to raise your child in a, a natural she has six kids so they're all homeschooled she has good experience six kids all homeschooled she she has a rule that she doesn't do anything for her kids the kids can do for themselves so their kids are doing their own laundry at like five you know and so like you know and she writes all this great stuff about you know really anything natural she's uh she's really great cool
Huh. Well, this is fun. Thank you for yeah. just sharing your passion absolutely. for that. Great um, to be here. Thanks for the beer. Absolutely. Is there anything you want to leave us with today? Anything we missed out? Just you know, I would say like as far as our success goes, the main thing that we did right was to, to not stop ever. Yeah. You know, that we were just, we were going to do this. No there was what. nothing that was going to stop us. And we asked for a ton of help. You know, and, and we actually and we actually did it. We took advice. You know, every time we somebody give us advice, we would take it. And you know what? They want to give you more advice. If you take people's advice, they want to tell you more. So it's like the more advice <laughs> we took, the more we got. And like you know, we asked, who do you know who knows this? And we called them. We take so their well, advice. The so just advice the, the, the humility of like we don't know shit about running a food company. We just want to make babies healthier. So we're not, we were very humble. And like, if they said to do something, we fucking did it. We didn't argue and say like, well, we think we know best because we're the founders. You know, so like, don't stop and take the advice. Ask for lots and lots of help. And really, you know, there's nobody stopping you but you. So once you get clear that this is your path and it's what you want to do, don't stop. And you learn that skill from taking advice. Mm Mm-hmm. From the popular girl middle school. That's right. Begin that you're right. I never thought about that, but that's a good Where is she today? You know, I tried to find her. I can't find her. <laughs> Maybe she'll hear this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Beckett, if you're out there. Kelly, where's Kelly? Kelly Beckett. Yeah. She, I'm sure she got Mary Jane. We gotta find Kelly Beckett. We gotta find Kelly Beckett. Someday I'm gonna be on TV or some shit, and I'm gonna tell this story, and yeah. she's gonna call me or something. But wow. you know, it's gonna happen. We'll find each other. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> Thanks right. again, man. Appreciate yeah. it. That leads Correct. us to. Holy smokes, is it time for the weekly brew, brew, brew? I wonder why single. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Look, these guys put me up to this, this stuff. They're like, Greg, you do it the best, man. Go ahead. Yeah, you do it. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Every freaking week. Weekly brew. You started it. All right, whatever. You guys kept it going. First of all, did, I don't know. Did you guys see this what? story over the weekend? Tell us the story. No one saw it. What's the story? <laughs> So much for being over. Um, I put a picture. It's like AC Slater. It's got a close connection to. Were you on Save the Hell? So, guys, for for you guys that are wondering what the heck we're talking about, we usually write, we print a little outline of 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 what we're talking about just to keep the main points in. Terribly embarrassing. And for whatever reason, Greg decides to print a large photo of me on the last page. With like a puka necklace. It's like like A.C. Slater meets M.C. Hammer. (laughs) Yes, dude. Hey, I'll take it. It's It's not a necklace, it's a shirt, but we'll go with that. Tell us about the Weekly Brew, Ian. Well, um, it's got a connection to Austin, Texas, and my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. So Austin resident Robert F. Smith, he's an African-American billionaire. He's an investor, businessman, philanthropist. He gave a commencement speech at Morehouse College. Where's Um, Atlanta? It's in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. It's an all-black, all-male college. That's why I didn't get in. Yeah, they they denied you. (laughs) Um, He's said to be worth about $5 billion. And he announced during his commencement speech to all the graduates that he would be paying off all of their student loans. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. Whoa, dude. (laughs) They valued it at $40 million. Wow. He's just like, poof. And all the guys started jumping up and started chanting, MVP. (laughs) They were gone. I'm sure you can imagine the scene there when, like, all these kids were... Can you imagine that feeling? Yeah, you're graduating. You know, like, obviously you're not thinking about that sitting at graduation, but in the back of your mind you're like... You know, once I graduate, now I'm going to start paying off debt. Yeah, right. And he completely wiped that. That's incredible. Clean. 
So, wow. so cool. pretty incredible, and um, it's nice definitely going to be life changing for them. And his biggest message was for them to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm giving you this gift. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, How are you going to make a difference so that future Morehouse graduates or future whatever graduates can enjoy this same luxury, I guess? Yeah. Just gave me chills. Great. It's amazing. Yeah. So, um, his big, he's really hoping to inspire change in the education system. And, and student loans suck. My <laughs> wife is still paying student loans for nursing school like yep. oh. um, it's a it's a huge burden and something that's going to have a huge impact on our country mm-hmm. i would imagine over the next yep. several years um so yeah cool story because he's a he's a an austin resident and really making a big impact so cool uh, wow robert f smith robert f smith go watch his commencement speech on youtube <laughs> yeah well folks thanks for tuning in for another episode of What's Brewing ATX. We hope you enjoyed some insights from Joe Carr. Uh, remember to subscribe on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating if we deserve it. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at What's Brewing ATX and Serenity Kids at My Serenity Kids. Until next time, Austin. Cheers. Stay hydrated. Cheers. <laughs>